Welcome, everybody, to the Fall Line with Chaos and Company. I'm Dave Capron. I'm here tonight with Angelo Ross. And we got the laughing going already. He's making fun of me. You're going to love this. Margie's laughing. Oh, God. It's like a switch, isn't it, Angelo? Like a nerd switch. <laughs> it's like a nerd switch, man. Turn I have to do on. it. It just... It happens, man. That red dot goes on and the nerd switch goes on. And here we go. Because, you know, what was it? Uh, Mr. Lipton there, Eric, was, you know, telling us, you know, we, we have to have a little more fun and not be so so geeky, right? So, well, the nerd switch was on. Sorry, I guess we didn't do what he said. Uh, no. oh, uh, but, hey, we have an absolutely awesome podcast for everyone uh, this week. We um, have someone that uh, I look up to a lot, too. I, I consider her my coach, my mentor, and also the professor, I call her. Uh, Margie King is with us tonight, and really, it should be, we should say Dr. King. Um, and I think everyone, as we go through this podcast, will understand why. Um, she's even done some stuff with Angelo from a distance to try to help him out, to get him back on the skateboard and skis, get him ripping on that ramp out in the backyard. But um, Angelo, it's snowing down there, right? we got to do the important things first, man. It's snowing. It's coming our way. Yeah, it's snowing like hell right now. Cold, windy. Yeah, we needed this. This is our first like proper storm, I think, of the year. Cool. Yeah. That's hopefully good. it's heading your way. Yeah, it's heading our way. It'll hit me first. And then Margie's up by the mountain right now. And she's got Mount Washington in the background, yeah. which is pretty cool. We don't quite have that view, but Bretton Woods definitely has that view. I was up there this past week and it was pretty good skiing. But um, Margie, thanks for coming on. Um I've been wanting this for a long time. I think we've been talking about it since I started the podcast and just haven't had the schedules right to get it to happen. And um, I do want to introduce you a little bit to our listeners because um, it's a little more than just someone who knows a little bit about the body and a little bit about athletic training, a little bit about rehab. Um, you you um, have had some pretty um, distinguished awards um, of the New Hampshire Distinguished Athletic Trainer of the Year. Um, the, uh, the NATA is the national athletic trainers association, uh, distinguished athletic trainer award. Um, you've also had the national athletic trainer award uh, association service award and their Kramer award for leadership and excellence in, in athletic training. Correct. Yeah, I've been yes. around for a while. <laughs> so. been around for a while, but that it doesn't stop there. It's it's um you are not just a one time Hall of Famer for you're in the National Athletic Trainers Hall of Fame, and then also the Eastern Athletic Trainers Hall of Fame. Correct. Correct. Yes, and it's not just athletic training. It's um as we talk, I'm, I wanted to talk a little bit tonight about your background and how you became from where you started going to school to to get where you are and um it's not just athletic training i mean you've been a lot into rehab and physical therapy stuff also correct yeah i have a degree in in physical therapy as well yeah yeah and um so when you when when all this came about this was all kind of at the same time in terms of it started you almost started skiing though hopefully before then and then that's why we're here that um you're a big skier um been skiing we've been teaching together for oh my god it's it's probably almost 25 years now isn't it yeah it's been a while that's for sure yeah definitely so um before we get into kind of your uh i wanted to talk a little bit about your schooling on that i wanted to find out which everyone loves to know because we're kind of the ski podcast when did you learn how to ski was it from friends was it family I learned how to ski when I was 12. Um, 
the whole family went to Ragged Mountain. So we had summer friends from the Newfound Lake area and they obviously they were locals. So they skied at Ragged all the time. And I don't know how they talked to my father into thinking that we should ski during the winter. So we, um, the first winter, so it's a summer house, although it did have a um, foundation to it, but the water used to pull out of the lake. So that first year we literally had to walk down to the lake and dad was chopping a hole in the, in the ice. And then we would be dragging the water up. You know, that, that lasted for one year. And mom was like, enough of that. So we got an artesian <laughs> well the next summer. Um, but that's, I started at Ragged Mountain with the local friends uh, over there. So the family all started together. Uh, my parents didn't ski per se. You know, my dad tried, but he had had a, a hip replacement when he um, was younger and, and just, he couldn't get into a wedge. And back in the day, the hip replacements were not a ball and socket. They were a plate. So he, he tried, almost killed himself on the T-bar and then took his skis off and walked down. My mother single-handedly put this guy, I don't, I don't remember the guy's name, uh, through graduate school with private lessons um, to learn how to ski. And she went up to the top of Ragged once. I had already left for college. So you can, it took a while. It took <laughs> I a while. Huh? College and, uh, and she went up to the top once and came down. I guess it took her a while with him. And um, they're like, oh, you ready to go up again? She's like, nope. Nope, just wanted to see where my kids are going. Took her skis off and never skied again. So that was good <laughs> for parental support. Um, so we were kind of on our own, but there were so many parents of the kids that we were hanging with that it was no big deal. Plus, ragged. I don't know if you guys, Angel, you probably haven't been over there, but it's it was it's this cute little mountain. It has a second peak to it right now, but at the time there was only there was one way up and one way down. So you know, Dad could stand at the bottom of the mountain. And, the, you know, you knew the lifties, so they knew when we went up because it was a little rat pack of kids. And so it, it, it's like you, it's not like you could lose us. And then we're on the hill and everybody else's parents were on the hill, too. So it was a really safe um, place to be. And then I, actually, as I thought back on it, we took lessons. So uh, dad would buy a, a, a book of, of uh, lesson tickets. It, so he probably single-handedly supported the ski school for the first couple <laughs> of years and uh, got us all through. Um, and, you know, once we were kind of off and running, he, uh, we stopped. But we also, at that time, we were ridiculously um, fortunate. So Hans Jaeger and um, this other guy, Werner um, Hossig, were they came over there from Austria and I, I don't know the whole story behind it when I was young, but um, that's who taught us, you know, along with BB Woods, who I swear is still teaching. I think she's still behind the ski school desk, but BB um, was local. Um, but we had great training um, and started off with lessons from the get go. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's good. Did you enjoy the lessons? Yeah. I, you know, I felt safer. <laughs> Well, no, I just felt safer being with those guys that, okay. that, you know, well, my other option was to ski with my brothers. So I was much safer <laughs> taking lessons from those guys than skiing with my three brothers and their friends, mm. which, of which, you know, none of them had sisters. So I was yeah. like, I kind of enjoyed my lessons, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you didn't have to hang with the bros, man. I don't want to hang yeah. with my brothers. Oh man. So that, that now as you, um, that was 
pretty much through all the years of um in, in grade school, right? Grade school and through high school was kind of the ragged mountain ski thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Cause then in, in college, it kind of waned a little bit, but um, I know that cause we've chatted about that over a few beers, but <laughs> um, you know, basketball was really your sport. Yes. I mean, it's what you really were doing. So you had the ski thing going on through the schools and on the weekends and all that, but um, basketball was your gig. Yeah, well, and I, I kind of got away with it in high school because that was back in the day where they actually let you play more than one sport and it was and the games were during the week. And so, you know, you could you could go skiing with your family and no one would would be upset with you. But, you know, I got to college and you couldn't. So I, I, I just skied for quite a while. Like once I got to college up until when I was about 30, I skied once a year, every year. So I, I didn't want to stop skiing, you know, like if, if you wait for a couple of years and then you get afraid to go back on the hill, then I, I didn't want that to happen. So I just skied once a year, every year, during, usually during skin, um, spring break. And Loon Mountain was close enough at that time. So Ragged didn't have a lot of snowmaking, so it would have been melted down by then. So, but I could go up to Loon. And uh, so I, I kind of just kept my my toe in the water until I was 30. And then. Cause um, the ski teaching gig really didn't come in till kind of almost out of school. Right. Oh, no, no. I, I should say, gra- I should say not grad school in that. Cause we have a lot that <laughs> went to through your, your bachelor's. Oh no. It was after I already, I had. Uh, so actually it's getting yeah, into ski teaching was just a, is a really funny story. I had three yeah. degrees by the time I started my. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> career. <laughs> I had my baccalaureate from UNH. I had done a master's in uh, exercise science, which was awesome at UMass. And then I had gone back for a second baccalaureate in PT. Um, and I was just finishing that up and I was kind of bummed. I, I was expecting it to be that physical therapy degree to be a little bit more exciting than it was, but I had come off of such a great master's degree at UMass that it was, it was hard to match it. So anyways, I, and, and it was, I was, I already had two degrees. I was able to transfer a lot of the credits. And so I finished in December with that PT degree. And I, um, I just needed a break from everything. So I, I knew I could get a job as ski patrol because I had my EMT. So I, I knew I could do that, but I went up, God, this is Mike Bannon <laughs> saved my butt. I went up to Loon and, you know, found the ski school director and it was Mike Bannon. And I said, you know, I, I'm, this was actually the year before. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to be out of school. I'm going to finish off the degree. I'm going to be out of school in December. Do you think I could teach skiing, you know, that winter? Because Everybody else would have been finishing their degree in the spring. So I figured I had plenty of time to look for a job. I had to take the board exam and I was going to have plenty of time to study because, of course, the the lifts closed at four. So I, I figured <laughs> I, I could go home, you know, study two or three hours, take the exam in February and I'd be good to go. So yeah. um, Mike said, sure, we'll take you. You know, so I come back. I couldn't come back until the middle of December that next year. And uh, I come back in and uh, I know I had no idea what I was doing. you got to remember, too, I've been on the hill once a year, every year since I left college, you know, which like 21. So it was almost 10 years. I'd skied yeah. 10 times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, but I, I mean, I was, I was 
a decent skier, you know. And yeah. so anyways, he took me and um, as luck would have it, you know, my friend Kim, um, Kim lived yes. it at the time. She's now Kim Stolowski was also working full time. So I worked full time. So my very first year I worked full time. It's the only time I had a chance to work full time. And um, and Kim was there and Kim was working full time. And I, I literally had no idea what I was doing. So I would teach a lesson. And then if there was a gap in time or maybe it was after two lessons, I would grab Kim and I'd be like, all right, this is what I just did. Is it re remotely close? You know, should I have done something different? And then gratefully on the weekends, we had a ton of level threes. And when those guys were um, on the mountain, they were more than happy to um, to work with you. So once I got to know them and, you know, I got some feedback, um, I, I was, you know, by mid-season, I was okay. But <laughs> it's the beginning. It was a little sketchy. <laughs> but it was, it was it was the true inauguration into kind of the ski school, the ski instructor type thing because you didn't go home right away at four o'clock to study for oh, a couple God. hours did you right well that was the other thing right so i had this <laughs> awesome plan because i'm taking my board exam in february i'm going to be ahead of, which i did do mind you um ahead of the curve but you know like when i take a test i like i know i'm going to pass it or, or there's no point in me taking the test like i just don't take it to see if i can pass it as you know when i was doing my level oh, yeah. three i i own half of the, the gray hair in your head but um <laughs> so i you know i'm at loon there's only one way off the mountain that bridge and so you finish up and you can't get off the hill so i'm with kim which i know people don't know her but to know her is to love her and so the solution <laughs> of course is to go to the bar and wait for the traffic to settle. <laughs> so we waited until the Angel's loving this. Empty. <laughs> it's really what happened. So, but we, um, so I try, I tried to study, you know, it just didn't really work with Kim being around. So we got to the point where the bartender loved us because we like, we had this little entourage that came with us and he could see us from the East side ski school. This is way back at Loon and the bar was the bunion room, he could see us leave the ski school house. So in the course of the bar would be packed. So we'd make our way up. And there was this, there was a sign on the side of the bar that said no service, you know, on the side of the bar. And so behind the sign, there'd be two beers. And so me and Kim would go, would go up and then we just slide our hand around, grab the beer. And everyone's like, oh, how'd you get served so fast? It's like, well, you know. <laughs> plan ahead you know it's like it was, it was silly it was silly it like it was just it was yeah. you shouldn't have had that much fun in or a yeah. three or four month time period it was just yeah. and we should so that was really to, and kim you know has done some pretty big things since then too i mean in the education world <laughs> you know i mean she's you know, gone on i wonder how the two of us even made it but yeah I and mean, she has her doctorate um she's got a level three so she got a level three yeah. before me I got my doctorate before her and so, <laughs> so I finished my level three and she looks at me and she goes, this means I have to get my doctorate. And I'm like, yep. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, well, that, that all the way back from full-time ski instructors to uh, the doctorates is pretty cool. Both Dr. King and, and, uh, and there, and Kim. Dr. Stolowski. 
Yeah. Dr. Stelowski. And she dragged me to my first PSA clinic, which I hated. You know, I, uh, (laughs) she was going for level two. I I think I had to do a a registered clinic. I didn't like the guy. I don't even remember who he was. I was bored. I was bored to death because our level threes were so good. We did so much training at Loon, Um, you know, and actually speaking of Loon, right. So we had our level threes, but we also, we had Chip Loring was there. Um, We had uh, Jeb was there. Uh, Peter Weber was there. Uh, Kathy Brennan came in at the tail end as I was leaving. It, it's like, oh, geez. And Lisa Harrington Siegel, Siegel, I think I remember telling you that um, him and I were, were Lisa's training ground for her level three. She would like try stuff <laughs> out on us to see if it would work before she took her level three. I mean, we just had fabulous people at mm-hmm. Loon. So it was hard not to learn. It was hard not to like it. So, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Uh, but it's neat how those you go back to those times and and then uh, how much fun we had when we first started out and yeah. teaching in the trenches every day. So Angelo feels like he's still there because he I'll just run. started. He's a part timer. I run on a lift. <laughs> you run on a lift. <laughs> Oh man. But, but I do much before we get into kind of the, the big thing, I wanted to talk about some definitely um, some things folks can do to stay in shape during the season that, but I wanted folks to kind of know uh, there's some cool ways you went from what you were started to study at UNH when you started to go for your bachelor's, it was in medical technology, which mm-hmm. doesn't surprise me um, in terms of your technical thought process and cognitive <laughs> thought process, but um, that changed you finished that you actually you know your junior year i know we've ch- chatted that um it wasn't like no nope, not going to stop doing that. i'm going to finish it but i'm going to go another route also and it's kind of a neat story that i think people would like to hear that um of how you went from being medical technology to i'm going to be you know the uh, athletic trainer oh well it was no brilliance on my part that, that was a phone call home to mom and dad. Actually, it was my senior year, right? So this, is, this has got to be a, a parent's nightmare. The week after Thanksgiving of my senior year in college, I call home and it's like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think I want medical technology. You know, I'm like eyeball deep into the degree. I'm like months away from graduating. And so my mother's the one to pick up the phone. My dad was kind of hard of hearing. And so she, go, she goes, let me get your father. I'm like, oh, God, here we go. So um, so dad gets on the phone. He goes, so what's up? I said, uh, I, dad, you know, I, I think I want to change over. I think I like to do athletic training, which nobody even knew what athletic training was at that point in time. And it wasn't even a degree. Like you had to take certain courses and have a baccalaureate in a related field in order to sit for that board exam. So, um, God, he was so calm when I look back on it. He goes, so are you having trouble in school? You know, no. <laughs> like, I'm carried babies in high school. You know, and, and to get into medical technology last year, so at the end of your junior year, you had to have a particular GPA and, you know, have you had to get accepted into your senior year. So it's like, it's not like seven trouble, trouble uh, academically. And he goes, um, do you think you could finish the degree? I'm like, yeah, I only have a couple months. And I'm sure he's sitting there like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and he goes, do you think you could take the board exam? I'm like, sure, I can take the board exam. He goes, all right, if you if you finish the degree and take the board exam, you can go back to UNH for a year and take the other courses. I had some other courses I had to take to finish off so I could sit for the another board exam in uh, athletic training. And, um, and that's what I did. 
And, and what precipitated that change? <laughs> like, what was it that like, okay, I'm going to make that change. I, I kind of, I know the story. Yeah. And, and there was a particular person. I mean, can you let, can you let people know and, and discuss that story? I think it's really neat as to how that happened. Yeah. Well, it revolves around basketball. So I was not starting my sophomore year and I had started all the way through high school. So it was just, I was like, sometimes started, sometimes didn't not a real good bench person. Right? So I wanted to play basketball during the summer and I had an ankle problem since high school. And so I wanted to play basketball during the summer, but I knew I was going to have to get my ankle taped or else, because at that time during this, the, all the summer leagues are outside. So you're going to be out in the cement and I knew my ankle would never hold up. And Oh, by the way, we're talking back in the day, there weren't any women's leagues. I was going to be playing pickup with the guys out on the playground during the summer. So I, I had to have my ankle taped. So, and there were no, there was no athletic training coverage for women at that time either. So I couldn't go to the women's athletic trainer because they didn't exist. So I played basketball with some phys ed kids and they were, they just said, go downstairs and see Dwight Altman because of course the athletic training room was right down next to the men's locker room. And, um, go so like i crawled you know you kind of creep down like nobody went down there unless you were a guy so i kind of creep downstairs find dwight and said look here's kind of here's the deal this is what i need to do can you teach me how to tape he goes i i can teach you how to tape but i'm short tapers for spring football so if i teach you how to tape i need you to come in for two hours tape ankles and then and then you can go and it's just from um you know, spring break until the end of school. And it's like, oh God, I hate football. I just hate it because <laughs> they got all the money. I mean, you got to remember when I was playing, I, you know, there was no yeah. money, for girls athletics or for women's athletics. It was a smidge before title nine, if you want to put it in perspective. Um, so the last thing I wanted to do was, was be around football players, but I, you know, means to an end. So I was like, fine, I'll do it. And I, it, I loved it. He absolutely loved it. I was good at it as well, but I had had my ankle tape. Like I knew if, if you don't tape it correctly, you wind up with um, tape cuts and it, you know, the tape cuts will stay with you all season. So I was a really good ankle taper and the guys appreciated it. Uh, and I think they understood I was there for a reason that I just wasn't a girl that was hanging out. But I, besides the fact that I'd grown up with my brothers. So I, like there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of wiggle room, like whatever they gave to me, I could give back to them. And, it, you know, I could hold my ground pretty well. So, um, so that's what started the whole thing. And I absolutely loved it and did it my entire junior year. And then my senior year, I was tied up with um, the internships for medical technology. And that's when I called home. I used to do it on the weekends, though, for the games. And I, I called home, you know, and, and said I'd, I'd kind of like to do athletic training. So, but Dwight, Dwight was a... <laughs> a game changer for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that's kind of what's interesting because as I, you know, did my research and you're like, how did he find out about this stuff? <laughs> but, um, oh, for you? it was, yeah, it was like, neat. How did you get this? <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it was neat because, um, you have, I mean, the whole time that I've known you for 20 something years that you've done an incredible amount for me. I mean, Angelo was like, cool. She's going to help me out. You know, when he had his injury, you, you give a lot back to those, that are out there doing and trying to help others. And, and you really make a difference um, doing things. So, I mean, uh, the information that a lot of our ski pros on our staff have and snowboard pros and staff over the last few years have been 
tremendous. And and I want, I just, I think some of it must, even if it's unconscious, go back to kind of, you know, that Dwight that um, helped you out and said, well, I can do this here, but you got to do that. Cause usually you don't just give us something without going, you guys can have to work a little bit. Like we have to stretch, <laughs> we have to do something or we have to go ski with you. It's like, okay, as long as we go skiing on Friday, we're going to work on some stuff with my skin. It's always, you know, it's not hard, but it's, it's like you, you make yeah. people earn it. Um, even if they're not paying for it, it's like there's some skin in the game that they have yeah. to earn this, that it's, that it's worth something. So you got to give something. I think that's kind of neat. Yeah. Well, and I, I, you know, you brought it up first, but I, I, I guess I did get that from Dwight. You know, it, it was, it was definitely, uh, he changed the trajectory of my life. He really did. And, and sadly he didn't, he, he had colon cancer and he didn't live that long. In matter of fact, I, I hadn't even finished my master's. So I was only out of UNH a couple of years and we lost him. Um, so he has no idea where my athletic training, well, he does, of course, but <laughs> he wasn't around physically yeah. when, uh, to know where my athletic training career went, but, uh, you know, he, it's, he never hesitated with the football, you know, the football coach wasn't all that happy that I was there. And then, so then I, I swear to make matters worse, he put me on ice hockey on the shoulder season because, um, you know, once I got in. I started playing basketball. I couldn't do any more work. And so I, I finished my athletic training education with all of my experience on football and men's ice hockey. And that was unheard of for a woman at that point in time. And it's, I, I walked out with more experience than a lot of the guys had. Um, and it just gave me footing. You know, I was so confident as what I was doing and, and, I knew it. I, I had had the exposures. You know, you can see enough of stuff in one football season that you could take. It could take three seasons, four seasons yeah. to see in other sports. So, you know, it was. I, I, I marvel sometimes when I look back and I see how the way that things unfolded um, over time. And I, you know, I'm still friends with those guys. I yeah. do you know how much fun with that is that. So I know them. I know their wives. I know their kids. So I'll get phone go, uh, phone calls from some of the guys sometimes, and one of their kids gets hurt, and they're like, "Dad, you got to call Margie." <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's been fun over the years for sure. Nah, see, Angela, I mean, it's like even the kids are getting it now. But she does. I mean, I've been around because like Bruce Roar up at Cranmore. Yeah. Um, you know, you always in touch, and he's big UNH football guy, and and yeah. that whole crew that you knew from then that she's still in touch with. It's cool. It's it's. Yeah. I, I thought you'd enjoy that, Angelo, because it really, I think, touched on, you know, our, our learning connection model. And we're thinking about people skills and the relationships that we that we bond with and all that kind of stuff and communication. He's over there. He was smiling. Well, it's, I was laughing because when you were talking about if Margie gives you some help, she's, you, you're going to give something in return. And that's that was exactly my experience. When I, when I got hurt, that was two, two Augusts ago. And just by chance, that's that, that was right after the shutdown happened. And, and I ended up as the chair of the e-learning task force for the Eastern division. And Dave, that's where, of course, this podcast was birthed from that, yeah. that relationship there. But um, we did the fall fitness series. And, and, and Margie was the, the kickoff episode of that. And, um, through 
working with her through working with you, Margie, that you, you learned I had just gotten this injury, you know, based on the stupid things I do with my body. And, uh, and I, but I was in a bad way. Like I was in a yeah. bad way and uh, <laughs> like, so, and I was scared too. Cause when you don't like, I got hurt on August 1st. And then when the pain subsided a couple of weeks later is when we were, um, when, 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 when I met Margie through that process, but, um, the pain had subsided from my injury, but like, I would, I would be walking up the steps and I couldn't, I couldn't make it up. My toes would hit the steps, would hit the rise on the next step. And I thought I had like a neurological disorder. Like I was freaking out. Like I had something coming on and, and, you know, end up telling, I don't remember how it happened, but end up telling Margie and she agreed, thankfully for me, she agreed to to sort of consult with me a little bit through this rehab process. But she said, first, well, first thing she said was, you will not step on that skateboard <laughs> for six months. And I'm pretty sure she made me say it like a gangster. She was like, say it. <laughs> I won't get on it for six months. But the other thing I had to do, which is totally not my wheelhouse, sadly, was I had to keep notes. Like I had to journal my experience. And when we would talk um, every couple of weeks or whatever, she would want to know what was in the notes, you know. And but what was funny, like originally, Margie, you were like, I'm going to I'll I'll do this for you. You can't get on the skateboard. I want this information because you were going to you were going to give some of you some of it to your undergrad students yeah but then as we uh as we talked more and and it sort of unfolded how hurt i was she was like i could never give this to undergrads like <laughs> <laughs> no because no, i like to use real people um you know cases with with the students and and actually i was teaching graduate students it's like i can't i couldn't even unroll it to them it's like i'm not going to do this to them this is way too complicated it's like it wouldn't even be fair like for the final exam and, you know for them leaving the program it's like no no we're not going to use it but but we got your board so you just said tonight before we get started that you i mean not with just me but i mean you you took some additional steps and you're doing pretty good yeah i'm doing great i yeah um yeah, so the short version is that Margie sort of consulted as a PT, and then I have a local PT who who I really really like. He's really terrific, Steve Pedratsky. He's an athlete. He, um, I met him by chance. Um, I was having some shoulder problems, and you know, and hi, and Margie. I hope tonight at some point you talk about kinetic chain and stuff like that, because as I look back through my life and my injuries they i i know they're all related but anyway my uh i was having trouble with my shoulder and i wanted surgery like i was certain that was the answer right because i i did a webmd search and i that obviously gives you a medical degree <laughs> so i was i was certain that i knew what the problem was and i go to i go to the to upmc in pittsburgh and and you know, it was one of the first experiences I had where I walked in and like I was older than the doctor. I'm like, what is this? You know, but anyway, he said, you don't need surgery. And, it, and he sort of reluctantly wrote me a, a script for PT. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. And I got home and my wife was like, you know, you're doing it. So I kind of did one of these numbers and just sort of put my finger on the phone book 
and picked this guy, Steve Pedratsky, who turned out to be terrific. So he got my shoulder up and running. And then he, uh, about two years later, I blew my right ACL out and he rehabbed me after that surgery. So when, my, when I hurt my back two years ago, Margie plus Steve Pedratsky plus Missy Murtha, my acupuncturist, who I, 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 I'm such a big fan of that. Uh, Leanne Beatty was my massage therapist. And I just kind of had this army of, of this team, you know. But yeah, at the beginning of the call, I hadn't seen Margie for a while. We haven't talked for a while. But um, all of that stuff, plus my new um, uh, personal trainer, Adam Brown, yeah, mm-hmm. just figured out what was wrong. And it was like, I don't know. It was illuminating because it's like, um, I I play hurt a lot. I didn't realize how hurt I was playing until a conversation with Margie. She's like, scale one to ten, how much pain do you have today? And I'm like, I don't I don't remember. It was like six or whatever. And she said, Do you know what normal is? I said, I don't know, like two. And she's like, No, normal is no pain. <laughs> i'm like why well, she never, does that to us she asks a question she knows we won't answer right she uh, she just knows yeah. that we're gonna screw it up and it just it 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 rubs it right in the face to go okay i gotta yeah. shut up now she I, knows more than i do just tell me just tell me what i should think but i'm like i've never had no pain and she's said that if you go if you're if you get with the right people and do the right thing you can you can be pain-free and right now like what i told margie at the beginning of the call was or before we got on the call was my SI joints haven't been out for two months. Like I'm, I'm pain free. I'm like sleeping through the night. Like it's, it's terrific. And, and I owe you a a huge debt of gratitude for that, Margie, because I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have stuck with it if you hadn't humiliated me like that. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. That's what makes me happy though. You know, it's like, because your career would have been short ended. You couldn't keep going like that. You just run out of body parts to hurt and, and, and they are all connected. And so when you break enough of the connections, you just, you can't keep going. You know, yeah. so so I'm grateful that you were willing to listen. That's what makes me happy. And then and, you know, and, and we're willing to add to the team because a lot of times people want to like they want to go in. They just get their PT and they're good to go. And, you know, you added the acupuncture and the massage, you know, plus the PT. So it's, you really do need you got to remember that when you are that injured I mean, you had multiple body parts that were down mm. that if you're that injured you you can't just do one thing because so much of the body is out of whack that that you you really need to go after it on multiple levels you know it's and it sometimes it's hard for people to wrap their heads around that it's like oh i'm not gonna I'm not doing that it's too much work it's too much money you know and it's like fine i mean in the beginning that always used to bother me now i'm like that's fine. You know, let me know when you've had your surgery. I'll help you out post op. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the band you know, Margie used to call them. You can't the band aid on it. I wonder how many people quit their activities though for something oh. that's actually fixable. I I taught with yeah. a, a girl who was a runner in college. Went to her undergrad on a on a running scholarship, and this is you know twenty or twenty five years after we had graduated from our undergrad programs, but she, she quit running. And I said, well, and we yeah. were talking about it, like, why, why don't you run anymore? And she said, um, her lower back just gave her too much trouble. And I'm just thinking to myself now, like hindsight, like 
I bet her hip flexors are too tight and her SI joints out. But that's like fixed. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of knowledge and then yeah. you can do this. But actually, you know, you're probably but it's right. fixable. It's fixed. Yeah. It's yeah. probably it's fixable. fixable. But she quit yeah. running because you say like Which people is, don't don't want to, you know, for whatever reason. I'm not judging them. Just say don't do it. You know? Well, the other thing that 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 was helpful for you is you found a good physical therapist. You know, it's like, I mean, I teach in a physical therapy program, but we teach people to get back to day-to-day -day activity. And I really think it's my athletic training. Like I had to get somebody ready for the next game. Like you couldn't really just couldn't do, you had to stay on top of the literature because you had to, you had to keep looking for ways to get people safely better. You know, whereas in the general public, you're just going to make sure they can walk up the first three steps of their house and they can get to work. You know, it's a completely different mindset and the timetable is not as tight as it is in athletics. And so you found a great guy who, you know, like you said, was an athlete himself and so had that frame of reference and understood what you needed to have done. You know, it's uh, it's one of the issues. Sorry, I, I'm going to have a million soapboxes, but it's one of the issues with the total knee and total hip replacements right now. So, I, you know, I got friends who are having total knees and total hips and the rehab is for low level 70 year olds. And they're doing the total knees and the total hips earlier now, and they have not changed the rehab for a total knee or a total hip. So you've got skiers who are going in for total knee, total hips. And they, my brother just had his knee done and he's a couple of years younger than me. And so, you know, PT comes home and you do your little exercise things. Well, he like in two days that he knew more because <laughs> of course I had coached him over the years. He's had some other issues, but he was like ahead of the, ahead of the home PT and the home PT was like, yeah, yeah you're fine. You know? So it's you were fortunate, I guess. Long story short. Well, it's funny too because I'm realizing as as when I'm thinking about it, Steve has a similar vibe you do. Like if I walk into his office, he'll be like, "Okay, what what hurts? Like whatever." Si joint. How'd you do it? Uh, skateboard. And he'll just stand there and stare at me. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> just stare. Just say nothing. Just. In the eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Angelo, I get it all the time, all the time, man. I'll, I'll, you know, here in the farm, she knows what I do here in the farm, the different stuff, spring, summer, and then fall in the ice cream shop and all the difference. And then I'll tell her something. She's like, oh, what did you do this time? What stupid thing did you try to lift or move? Or you stood bent over for four hours, right? March. <laughs> yeah, it's like I did did a cross your mind to stand up a couple times in between, you know, it's like or it's like you and your bike, right? You get on your uh, bike for a gazillion hours. Yep. Going one direction and it's <laughs> it's like it's like moving the rock at Gibraltar to get him to get off of his bike and to walk backwards a little, you know, for 2 minutes, 5 minutes yep. after yep. biking for 2 hours going that way. You know, it's talk about muscle imbalances, yeah. but it, it's just, yeah, you guys are working. <laughs> well, you she know, I've, I've incorporated that. I do bicycle tours in the summer and I've incorporated that tidbit on, on our tours. We do multi-day nice. trips and a lot of times folks are in really good shape and they've trained for the rides, but a lot of folks haven't. So at all the, all the support stops, all the lunch stops at the end of the day, we'll walk backwards for a while. And, and nice. I learned, yeah, I learned that. Yeah. 
And why don't you tell those cyclists out there and the people that want to get on the bike? Cause we encourage a ton of people to get on the bike, mountain bike, road bike for multiple reasons to help out. But, um, you know, what's the walking backwards for? So they know Marge. Uh, well, so when you're on your bike, you're using mostly flexor moments. So from a mechanical point of view, everything is closed down and flexed. And from a motor control perspective, I mean, you're usually on your bike for a while, an hour or two, right? So that mm-hmm. in your system, you're, you're primarily flexed and you haven't given any stimulus to your extensors for them to work. So you get off your bike. I mean, you probably feel it anyways. You get off your bike and you're just this little flexed old man, right? So well, never, never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if you would just take a few minutes and Angel, you've probably seen this then on the bike tours and then just walk backwards, which is primarily a series of extensor moments. So mechanically going into extension, then it re- it literally resets the system because it's a neurological reset. It, it doesn't take that long. Um, so if you just give the input to the system that, there is there are extensor muscles that need to be used, even though you've been flexing them for two hours. And then you finish, and then you you finish on a neuromuscular basis in a more balanced presentation. And so it it should help, you know, with uh, recovery, basically. And that goes into the, um, which you've had me dabble in and, and had some of the, the crew and the ed staff do with the Berdenko system with Tom Brabo, <laughs> that everything we do with Tom, if we do it forward, we do it backwards. Yeah. Um, and any movement with, you know, arms going one way, they have to, everything has to go both directions, whatever we're using when we do right. that with Tom and speeds, you know, we've got to, yeah. he has us do things slow, medium, fast. I mean, how important are those things? Um to make sure the body stays more balanced. Well, the Berdenko system is a beautiful system. I mean, that's a whole system in and of itself. But if you, the the purpose of the Berdenko system is to provide um, conditioning for the body. So it's not conditioning for a particular sport, it's conditioning for the body. And so with the conditioning for the body, it, it asks you to move forward, backwards, right side, left side. So every, so just like I did with the bike, right? So you got to go forward, forward the bike. So you're doing a little bit of backwards um, after you finish off the bike. The same thing with Bredenko, all of your conditioning is forward, backwards, right side, left side, and then uh, coordination things as well. So um, yeah, it, it is a wonderful system and it's uh, on land as well as um, in water, you know, so it, it works really well. I love it when we go in the water with Tom, because when, when I brought the crew over the few times we did every time I warn him, because after I went the first time, I, I figured it out that yeah. we're not in the shape Tom's in. I don't, right. I don't care the difference in age. And I started doing that. I think the first time you had me over there was, Oh my God, it must be at least 15 years ago. Yeah. So I was a lot younger uh-huh. and you know, I'm going, Oh, this will be easy. And we're in the gym and doing all this stuff with them. And you don't think anything of it, you know, we're doing the stuff in the gym. It feels pretty good. I got to take Angelo and let him do this. And then he puts us in the water. Yeah. Well, you can't cheat in the water. You can cheat the reps and everything in the gym. So I tell everybody to, to go easy in the gym because when he put us in the water with the, um, the, the um, floaties and that Marvel. stuff to do yeah. stuff, it is impossible to do the activities he wants to do. In the, and everybody's hurting. Like, 
even Sue Kramer, she'll probably <laughs> kill me for saying this, but Sue Kramer, who's probably the most in shape for that, that stuff and way better in shape in all the parts of the skiing than I am. But I mean, she is very much when the way she works out and her knowledge base and she was sore two days later, like everybody else, it was hard yeah. to walk. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, a, it's a wonderful, um, program is very comprehensive and tom is very yeah. good at it he learned from igor Benenko, and um you know it's fascinating when you start thinking about your own workout programs and it doesn't have to be a full-on Benenko program but if you start thinking about what you're doing and how much you're doing in one direction and you know just even something like lunges when you go into well like the lunges aren't even step forward lunges they're walking lunges you know so that you've got to be able to propel yourself forward with the lunge but if you lunge forward you got to lunge backwards you ever tried doing a backwards lunge well you did yeah, yes, do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and so with that right so your lunges are in that um forward plane whether it be forward or, or backward so it's sagittal plane but you know it's in um that plane but then what he will have you do is he'll have you do your arms in the opposite plane so it's in the coronal plane so you you've got your legs moving in a, a sagittal plane and your arms are moving in a coronal plane and um uh, you know you you like wind up with a headache trying to yeah. figure out where to put your arms and where to put your legs as you you know do the reciprocal motion of, of your legs it's it's fascinating fascinating stuff yeah the, the, the coordination part of it is something i haven't seen yeah. in a lot of other or, or I, I don't think i've really seen it personally unless i like look for it but it isn't spoken about in any of the right. training programs and it's like specific to the Bernanko that coordination is important and all those i mean we're doing stuff with our arms in certain ways and then our feet and like it, it it's the rub it's worse than rubbing your head yeah. and tapping your belly kind of thing it's like oh my god it's crazy yeah yeah so, um, yeah so i've been yeah, very he, fortunate you know i mean tom yeah. tom is in and around the plymouth area um you know he's he's out of waterville so i've been able to spend mm. a fair amount of time with them which is how we got it set up for you guys to come down and and uh and give it a try too so yeah because i've been i think i've been at least three if not four times with them now but that that's yeah. been a blast of times we've had to do that because but and and there's so much he gives you like every time he's so creative with it yeah with just movement to be able to get i mean it's gone he is a master of you know you can watch his stuff he's got some great stuff online now um some more stuff he's been doing with the um the academy kids um some really cool videos there if people want to look that up but um it, it's just neat the you know the flexibility the mobility before you have to go to strength and coordination yeah. stuff it's really a full as angelo was saying you know it, it's the full kinetic chain yeah yes and that's the other piece about the Bernanko is that it, it uses everything and then it incorporates that uh, coordination piece yeah he's on um he's on youtube i know for sure because i know how to get on youtube yeah. um he's on <laughs> something else what's the other um yeah no. uh, oh is he TikTok. he's got him on uh, vit, um, vit, um what's the other Come video on what's the other one that everyone's on uh, uh Vim, um vimeo yeah that's what i was thinking of i think it's on vimeo but he's definitely anyway, got he's got he's Google got a, a bunch of it can find him yeah yeah because at first he just had it on the discs and that that you've got for me but yeah. he's got a and he's got a lot of new stuff with the kids he's doing which it's so cool watch yeah. him do that stuff but and um you know thinking about this it's like those are the kind of things that you've always pushed me and still do and i i try 
to um, have a full year plan. Luckily for me, some of the stuff is just work around the business and the farm absolutely helps because I kind of tease Sue about that all the time. I'll coach Sue. I'll send something when we're splitting water. I got the chainsaw out and she says, well, yeah, it does count. (laughs) She's kind of like you a little bit. She's like, it counts. Yes, it's there. But like, you know, it's kind of that thing, you know, you're doing one motion all the time. So, but it, it, um, but you know, a lot of folks, everyone has kind of their different way of getting ready for the ski Mm -hmm. season. It's definitely not always that athlete type way for our ski instructors and snowboard instructors per se. Um, And we're in season now. So as you and I've talked a lot, they're they're not going to like fix something in terms of for the next two weeks, but what are some of the things that, I mean, you've coached me a lot just on maintenance. You know, we're in season, I'm skiing, you know, five, six days a week. It's not like I'm trying to make huge gains now in the gym. Um, or whatever I'm doing, working out and I'm on the bike a lot less, the cardio work, um, on the trainer, you know, what are some of the things that people should do with like the BOSU ball or the, or, um, our, our rollers, which I know you're probably going to speak with the rollers because you have us do a lot of fascia breakup type, break the tissue up in that. And Troy and I are big on the roller. We keep it with us all the time, but what are, what are some, some things you think people should focus on during season, just as maintenance of flexibility, mobility, whatever they've been doing. Well, I'll, I'll start with the rollers first, because it completely cracks me up that pre-COVID, when you, when you and Troy were traveling all the time, so I knew when you're on the road, because I get the phone call and then I get, I get both of you at the same time. But, you know, like you had the rollers in the back of the car, which completely yeah. also cracked me up, but I was very happy because I think, we, I yeah. think when you were training – for one of your tryouts, I got you this yeah. whole stack of rollers. Oh yeah! And so I couldn't believe you were taking them on the road with you, but thank God. I mean that. I mean that's really what you need to do. And it, it it's not like you spend. You know, you guys are spending forty five minutes on the rollers every night. It was just roll it out. Whatever happened that day, you rolled it out. Good to go. Start the next day. But um, at this point in the season, you're not really going to make any progress. You're not. You, you can't really create a foundation. And you're not going to make any real progress. But the two most important things you have to do is if something hurts, you have to get rid of the soreness. And, and it is a zero <laughs> on the scale of zero to 10. It needs to be down to a zero. So you, you got to ice Epsom salt. You know, there's a, another company that MG 12s um, is a great company with, with salts and, um, uh, topical and it, they've got some CBD stuff. Um, you know, Toperson, there's a whole mess of different topicals that you can use, but you got to do something to get rid of the soreness because soreness, whether or not you can see it, means that you've got some level of cellular edema, right? So, cellular puffiness, swelling, you know, so it might not be swelling that you can see like an ankle sprain, but if it's sore, it's, there's some swelling. It's part of the inflammatory, the physiological inflammatory process. All right. So, um, and when you have that, then the body talks to itself and says, okay, everybody, you can't play. Right. So it shuts down muscle tendons. Everything in the area will, will not be at full tilt because it's being told by your very own body every time there's a pain signal to not work. So you're really silly to be mid-season 
whether you're getting ready for level two prep, level three prep, any of the tryouts, or just mid-season, you know, as a ski instructor, that if something hurts, you need, you got to address it. You got to do something with it. And if the topicals or your icing or the the salt baths aren't enough for you, then then you got to get yourself to acupuncture. You got to get yourself to massage therapy. Or you might have to get yourself to PT, you know, but take care of that. And then if you do nothing else, mobility. And so mobility is not just flexibility. Yes, you should be stretching, um, but your soft tissue mobility um, as well, which comes into your massage therapy, that you've got to make sure that the tissue has space to move because you every muscle tendon works at an optimal length tension relationship. So if you've got muscles that are too tight, it's, it is not physiological poss physiologically possible for them to maximize the force contraction that they could do if they were at their optimal length. So if you do nothing else, get rid of the pain and create some mobility. I mean, that, that, would, that right there might give you 20, maybe 25% of, of an edge, you know, of just doing those two things mid-season. And, and what should we do? I mean, we, you and I have talked about it. That for me, it's kind of my basis for my training program. And I do check it with you um, that a big portion of my training is cardio. I mean, because I enjoy it. I enjoy getting on the bikes. I enjoy anything that, that gets the heart rate up kind of that way, um, especially on the bikes. And um, but for me, it, I still need to have that that cardio piece. I I've, I've talked to you a little bit, but I just wanted you to speak to like how important is having some form of cardio, even if it's walking, like it's not like somebody has to get on the bike, like Jess Stith or Greg Dolbeck. And, you know, those guys are going hundreds of miles a week, but I mean, how important is the cardio piece to keep the blood flow going to the muscles and to keep the heart pumping and, and that part, I mean, we are in a sport, but I mean, even for the flexibility, like how important is it? to get blood to go there and get the blood pumping, not maybe a little bit, even for that activity, like should we walk a little bit before we stretch and get on the rollers? So if, if you can warm up somehow before you do any kind of a stretch, it, it makes it easier to stretch the tissue. Cart so it's so actually, if you want to do your cardio, you know, do your bike and stretch when you get off the bike. Because repetitive motions like that don't need a lot of stretching before you do them. But afterwards, it would definitely help to stretch. So cardio is good, but it, it depends on what you're going after. Because there's, there's, it depends on where you look. There's anywhere from five to like 12 components of fitness. And a cardio is a component of fitness. So you've got your flexibility, mobility. You've got your cardio. You have your muscular strength, muscular endurance. and um, body composition. It, so it, it, it's a uh, minimal. I mean, that's, there's nothing that really, there's no resources that will talk about less than five components of fitness. There are some resources that will talk about more. So the, the challenge is to tap each portion of the five components of fitness to create your fitness level. Now, few and i know i give you a lot of grief about your biking but um <laughs> but but you're doing so much other stuff on the farm you know yeah. so that you're do you've got a lot of other movement patterns um you've got i mean you've got a lot of strength you've got a lot of endurance and that sustains your body comp um so there's other stuff that's kind of built in with the way that you're doing stuff and some of the other 
um, people also have physical types of jobs. And so that helps where you get into trouble, you know, and this isn't just with the part-timers, but mostly the part-timers, it's really hard as a part-timer to keep yourself fit because you're spending Monday through Friday pretty much at your desk. And I'll tell you that the last couple of years with Zoom have been awful. But um, so now how do you figure out how to work stuff in there? Because otherwise you've got to set aside a separate time to do your fitness work or, or you're over-fitnessing on the weekends. You know, so it's really trying to figure out some kind of a balance where you're every single day, you're doing a little bit of something that's going to add to the quality of your overall fitness. And then I would add, it's not, well, your goals can be whatever you want them to be, but um, (laughs) it would not be a goal to be fit for skiing. It would a goal to be fit so you could be a fit human being. And be functional through your 60s, into your 70s, into your 80s. You know, it's it's great that skiing's a carrot, but it, it, it shouldn't wax and wane. Like you, you go through this crazy fitness thing, you get ready for the ski season, and then you do nothing, and then you wait until you get close to the ski season again. I mean, if you, if you want any kind of guidance, just go to Sue Kramer's book, and she's got it completely mapped out color-coded for you as to, you know, there's an, there's an active rest period at the end of the ski season in her book. So it just means that you're doing lighter stuff to try to give your body a chance to rest and, you know, any, any injuries, you know, that need to heal up, definitely take care of that stuff before you move forward. But, you know, it's only for a few months and, you know, by the time it's summertime hits, you ought to be starting to gear up again. To, to prepare for a very active winter season, but it, it that also allows you to stay active during um, during the fall. And it, it was one of the first times I actually heard it was from Chip Loring. God rest his soul. What a great guy he was. So, he but was. he, yeah. I, so I was at a Fourth of July party at his place in um, wherever it was in Winnipesaukee, and uh, he was like, "Party already!" You know, as, as soon as the um, you know, two more days, we get two more days left before we have to get ready for the ski season. And that was after the end of my first, you know, round of teaching full time. And I was like, yeah, I get a job. (laughs) I'm not doing this again. What are you crazy? So, um, but I I looked at him and I was like, you know, I never thought to think about that. I mean, but that he was right out to 4th of July. That was his, that was his start date um, to get going for the ski season. And I was like, wow. That was pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, he's a great coach. Yeah. Yeah. Angelos, I can tell. He's he's ready to he's formulating processing. So zero pain. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the scale goes zero to ten, right? The scale doesn't go one to ten. It doesn't go two to ten, it goes zero to ten. So no pain means zero. And healthy tissue means zero pain. That no. sounds like bullshit. Like zero <laughs> means zero. Yo, where are you right now? What's that feel like? Uh, you mean existentially? No. Or physically? I mean, like you're poking on the tissue and it doesn't hurt. No. I don't have any pain right now. No. I, I, it, no. It's funny, Angel. The, the one time, that's why I have this. Oh. The, the one year 
this is a training tool. Everybody's like, yes, you could eat with this, but this was sent in the main mail to me to use as one of my exercise tools. But um, you have to tell the you have to tell the podcast listeners what you're holding. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to. But I was going into the fall. I'd been going through the summer, and I didn't know what it was. My feet were killing me, man. I couldn't get out. I get out of bed, and I couldn't walk. I mean, I literally couldn't take a I couldn't take a step. And um, yeah, I. You try that's, to walk it off. That's not, get a, that's not a zero. You had to work for the farm for the. No, that's not a zero. It's not a zero. <laughs> it wasn't a zero. Man. It was not zero. a zero. And, and I'm like, it's going to go away. It's going to go away. And, you know, everything goes away eventually. You know, right? It goes away. So I'm I'm going through the summer and it's getting towards end of August and it's bad. Man. And then, and then like you get going during the day, it's okay. And then the end of the day, it's like, oh my God. my I mean, it was like, I couldn't walk. Yeah. So Margie's, I, I think I called you. And I said, Hey, I got a little something going on. <laughs> and, and she said, what? And I started telling her and she's like, Oh my God, how long has this been going on? Oh, I had, which I didn't know what it was. At the time. I had plantar fasciitis like so bad. I could not walk. And I was, as it was hitting August and Labor Day, you know, cause I was on the bike and I wasn't, it, it would hurt when I got off the bike. Um, but it didn't hurt as much pedaling. And then Margie's like, and I told her when it started to hurt. Now I'm not going to say right now. <laughs> and and uh, she's like, "You're an idiot. You're an." I think you said those exact words. You're an idiot. You're an absolute idiot. I can't believe it you didn't call. Was me. my exact words because it takes a while. By the time you called me, it was so sore. I mean, like I know oh. the physiology of the tissue, right? It would have taken that long, you know, oh. to get it to that to the place where he was. So he was an idiot. He waited way too long, particularly, so, you know, it's getting so close to the ski season. Well, that's what I said. I said, we just need to get this. So I get my feet in the ski boots. Cause I was nervous. I mean, they hurt so bad. I was like, how am I going to ski? Yeah. And the funny thing is in my ski boots in my Alpine boots, at least was like, that was the most comfortable part of the entire day. Even when, cause we were still, we worked on that. I just had me down. We were down at elk that winter for a whole week. I was down there staying with him. We were working at elk, um, doing some events and he had every morning, he made me get up. You'll be happy Margie. Cause he, we get up, we had to work, had to do our stretches in the morning. I had to do my, all my foot acts, ex- activities, the foot dome and all that. And I had to do the, the calf and Achilles stretches and rub the fashion. That's what this is for. So Margie wanted to make sure during the ski season that I was rubbing out the calves the down in the Achilles and my heels. And she sent me this to do, to use it. You know, what was that? That is that a um, it's got a long handle on it, right? It's got a long handle. Yeah, well, it's, I might have been, it might have been down in North Carolina. So, yeah, it's what I do is you use the handle of the spoon, and so yeah. and you use it to it's scraping, you know, it's not digging. So, there are some right. tools where you can dig, and I don't, it does make no sense to me to injure tissue to make it better. I mean, that's I don't get too high on that soapbox but i mean it just it just is not logical but if you scrape it the surface scrape it it has a phenomenal it has to be neurophysiological because it can it can settle down the tension in the tissue immediately you know it doesn't clear it but it certainly makes it better and it's it's from the treatment comes from the family called Gua Sha. It's G-U-A-S-H-A. So, you know, anyone who actually knows how to do Gua Sha would be horrified at the way that I've modified it. 
because <laughs> I'm using a spoon. But I use the handle of the spoon. So that spoon, though, is probably an iced tea spoon. So when I went yeah. down to North Carolina that year, um, it's I was so excited. I was in at like a Marshall's and I, I saw these iced tea spoons and I saw the length of the handles on the iced tea spoon. I'm like, this is so cool for gua sha because you, you could do your whole thigh. You could do your whole hamstring. Yeah. You know, a regular like tablespoon or teaspoon is too, it's not too short, but it's just short. So, yeah, yeah I like, I just, I bought as many of them as I could, um, and brought them <laughs> back up north. But, but, but I mean, it, 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 it they, I mean, I had, I got the footbeds right away. I got yeah. my walk fits and yeah. yeah, that, but that was, that's probably crazy. That's like the most pain I've been in for like, I mean, you said it wasn't, well, it is an injury, but not technically. I didn't do something to injury. I just overuse. Overuse and didn't stretch, but yeah. Well, right. <laughs> yeah see, see, see the tone I get right there, Angela? <laughs> it's just the tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, all, and all you can do is take it. I just, I take so, it. I tell you, it's like, because I, I know I deserve it. So, but, Margie, um, my, but my, I, my yeah. acupuncturist does gua sha on me, and she talks about petechia. Can you talk about that for a minute? Like, yeah, what, so, what that is and what that means, and yeah. So the petechia is just—it's uh, a—it's a response of the circulatory system, and it—it just—it indicates an increase in blood flow in an area that's been so tight that the capillary system really hasn't been able to get any reasonable amount of blood flow in that area. Now. So she probably does the gua sha up until she can get that particular response. When I show it to people who I know can hurt themselves, <laughs> I don't let them do it quite that deep, right? But so you can still get a response without having to do it quite that deep mm -hmm. to get the particular response. And that's what I'm saying, like a person, a real person who does who's trained in gua sha would probably be horrified if you didn't bring it to that level but it it fascinates me on a neurophysiological basis that you can still get a relaxation of that tissue with that gentle level of input into the system it's it's absolutely fascinating but when you, you can go deeper with a petechiae for sure and it's in the same family as cupping so and cupping is obviously a little bit deeper um because the suction of the cups can get deeper, but it, it's just a fascinating treatment. It's been around it for a bazillion gillion years, right? Because it's a, it's Asian medicine. I am not excited when she gets that spoon out. Yeah. So, <laughs> but she does it deep. You know, like you can you can do a little more superficial to yourself. Actually, you know what? I don't know where she's doing it, but if you could reach it and you were doing it a little bit in between the treatments. When she had to do it, she would yeah. probably have to do less. It's typically on my neck. but You know, I do mine every night before yeah. I go to bed. Yeah. I'm on the computer so much. And um, I, so I, I'll wash on my own neck every night before I go to bed. Well, that's got to beat the hell out of her doing it. Because <laughs> 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 full, like, full disclosure. So, so it's not a zero. It's not a zero when she does it, huh? No, full no it's not a zero when she would do it. <laughs> no, and, then, I, and she'd probably I be horrified. A bit. I weep a little bit when she you does weep. it. <laughs> well, if, you know, if it's done appropriately by someone who's well-trained, uh, like, uh, this is kind of a, a, a gua sha hack, but it's, it's effective. <laughs> you know, it's... Um, I've shown a lot of people 
how to do it. You know, I've had students when we had to first go to, uh, they were on clinicals and I had to go to telemedicine and they, they were showing their patients through telemedicine how to do it at home. I mean, like it can be, it just, it, it, again, it's fascinating as to how effective this can be without having to go as deep as she goes. And I just, I think you should have training in it if, if you're going as deep as she goes. I mean, this this is fairly superficial. It's, it's hard to hurt yourself, but it, it can still be effective. So. Anyways. Well, I'm, I'm, and she does cupping too, and I'm sure I get benefit from it. You can, you can feel it. It feels like yeah. you, it feels like I feel like I recover faster. Yeah. You know, well, it, it's, it's opened up the, the circulatory system on a real, on a micro circulation level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause you know, it's not that it's so compressed or else you like your foot would be cold or your hand would be cold, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's amazing how, how much our bodies take before they cry uncle. And that's the problem is that we don't listen until you hear your body say uncle. And even at that, you're like, did you say something? You know, and then you just kind of ignore it until such time you, you like really have an issue. But if we would, that's this whole maintenance thing. Like if you would do, if you had a, a system in place every day where you, just did some daily checks and kept things open and running, then you wouldn't have these major catastrophes of, you know, plantar fasciitis. <laughs> you could avoid that. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> I, I, ha- I have my little spiky ball goes into the bag and, and travels ball, with me. Right. That And the, the spoon's in the bag. That's why I had to run upstairs before we got in the podcast. I forgot to bring it down because it's in the bag. And and uh, the roller goes in. Those, those are... Steadfast. I went, I think it was the first because you know, last year I didn't travel at all. Right. Everything from home. So I went to, I think we went to um went to training and management seminar, Angelo. That was the first like out of the box. And I didn't have my my ball with the spikes on it to roll my feet on it. Oh my God, did I miss it for three days, four days till we came home. Yeah. And, and, I, and how it, long does that take? I mean, you can you can do that when you're doing something else at I, night. I do it. I just throw it. I just pull it out and it's on the floor. So when I get back to the room, if we're on the road and I'll roll it for, I'll roll it for 20, 30 seconds. If we're just changing quick and heading out to dinner or whatever, then I'll just even that amount. And then I'll get back when we do get back to the room or like when I'm here at home, I just sit in front of the TV rolling on each foot and at home, I got two of them. So I just do both feet at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Try to get it all done quick, but um, no, I constantly, I mean, those, those are, mainstays for me that and the roller i mean i mean sometimes we're calling you too because we like to do those stupid things on the rollers that we you know you you know most of the stuff you want us doing right now is is stretching and breaking up the fashion but we do those stupid things where we're trying to you know do core work on it you know <laughs> we got it down you know it's laying at the, the roller straight down the spine so we got it down the middle of our back and then arms off the ground we try to lift <laughs> the foot and all that and you laugh at us and but you showed us that and and if people try that one is brutal have you tried that though yeah, they roll it down so you lay so it goes from your butt <laughs> up to your neck mm-hmm. so and so you got a balance on it you're trying to roll and then you pick your hands up so you get both feet down legs are kind of the knees are at 90 so your feet are flat you're laying on it and then you've got to pick up one foot off the um ground and i guarantee the first foot you pick you'll pick it up you probably won't have the right alignment with pelvis neutral and and your lower back won't be on the roller like margie wants 
but you'll do the first foot because we always pick for some reason, Margie, why do we, why are we able to pick the one that we're going to be able to pick up? Cause 99.9% of the crew we've done this with, I think we even, I'm trying to think if Troy had Terry Barber do it too. I'm pretty sure everybody has like, you can almost not pick up the other foot. Yeah. Well, you always go to your strong side, but that, and like you're, you're motor programmed that way. You know, it's, it's not something you have to really think about, but yeah, it's, you'll pick up the side that you can do. Yeah. And then when you try to do the other side, but that, you know, so you do something like that and you go to see the asymmetries in your body and you're like, holy mm-hmm. miracle. Do you know what cracks me up is, is, is the ed staff. So when I have a chance to work with some people from the ed staff, <laughs> Look at the two of them right here. And she's already going, oh, my God, these guys are two of them. I'm like, how the heck do you guys ski? You know, it's like sometimes <laughs> I look at them because we've done some off-hill stuff, and you're all good skiers. And I was like, holy miracle. You know, like it's just the asymmetries that get picked up that yeah. um, would be in your best interest to address because at some point in time, the asymmetry is – that you are able to compensate for right now is going to go beyond the compensation and something breaks, you know, and again, that's that maintenance stuff. So if you guys play in the roller, I'm happy with that because (laughs) you well, no, because then you see, you see that you're asymmetrical in your motor pattern and that, well, like the next step, hopefully you do something about it, but. um, (laughs) They turned it into a drinking game was the next step. We have. We actually have. (laughs) Troy can explain the whole thing, but yeah, it pretty much is. Oh man. Everything revolves around that end of the day. (laughs) That was not really the intent, but that's okay. I mean, awareness, (laughs) awareness is the first step, right? (laughs) Well, that's how we kind of get it going and get somebody to get on a roller. So then when they try it and then they maybe later on realize I can't do that. So if I want to be better at the drinking game, I've got to be able to figure out how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Those are those tricks that Troy, Troy's great at those. He loves it. He'll he'll always come with another one. Like whether it's the exercise ball, the one of the rollers or something standing on one foot, he'll come up with something. I mean, that's why he's so good at that stupid one-footed pivot slip. I am. He he'll do that. I don't know if you've seen him do that, Angelo, but he'll do a one-footed pivot slip, and we all just stand there. And I, and he was doing it once. We were at uh, I think we were at Whiteface or somewhere. I think Kathy Brennan was there too. And he takes. We were doing like an Eastern team training or something. And Troy's like, "Hey, look at this, man! Try this." And he does a one-footed pivot slip. I looked at it and I just skied off. I wasn't even trying it. <laughs> Son of a bitch! I was so pissed. When we were at Breckenridge, he had the roller, and we were doing the 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 core thing. You know, yeah. when you lay on your spot, and then he he busted out the tens unit, and he was like, <laughs> yeah. he was like, put it put it on this and turn it on high. Put it on this and turn it on high. Like your foot's going, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All the shit we do. We each got the tens unit. We got the Theraguns now too, Margie. Those are killer, man. I love the Theragun. And they're a good tool to use. Now, the only thing the Theragun, if you have to use a Theragun in a particular location persistently, then you should really kind of think about why that tissue is so tight and do something about it. That would be the, like the next step. So it's part of this is you guys get to the first step and then, you don't you don't like take that second step as to what you should really be doing with it. But. Yeah. yeah. When we get to the tens unit, we're really, we're kind of hurting at that point. I know when I'm putting the tens unit on, it's like, Oh boy. <laughs> Usually I get that when I'm at the chiropractor, but we have that little unit, that little unit is awesome. 
it can be really effective. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty cool. Uh, Kathy Leahy got that for Troy and I. We were over at Wyndham, man. That was awesome, awesome gift. I was rubbing my elbow or something. My elbow was killing me for some reason, which I didn't get fixed. But the tens unit seemed to fix it great, March. Well, right, <laughs> the tens unit broke the pain pattern. It didn't like the, it. Would be nice to know what the causative agent was as to why uh, it been. sore or why you didn't ice it when it first started getting sore. Or why didn't you use your little gua sha tool on it when it first started getting sore? I was. I was. Oh, were you? Okay. I was going to try to use my thumb. <laughs> they were so, in yeah. the bar and he over he overexerted his elbow doing <laughs> yes. tw- 12 ounce curls. <laughs> you got to get a straw. When you feel the pain next time, <laughs> get a straw. And don't just go two handed. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, boy, here's here's one for you, Margie. There's there's some. Uh, I mean, everyone's starting to gear up. It's mid January here, going through Martin Luther King weekend here, um, and people are getting ready for exams, getting ready for their ski exams for level two and three, especially. We've got some big tryouts coming out for the Ed staff um, early March for the ACE team, Advanced Children's Educator, and we also have for the development team and for our East uh, Examiner Training Squad. Um, you know, what are, I'm hoping they're listening so that they realize it's like, maybe not time to like kill it in the gym four days a week. Right. Um, right. You, know, <laughs> you know I mean? And what is, what's some advice there going for those things? I mean, we, we've told them already, I think it's kind of reinforcement a little bit, but um, would you go beyond just, you know, really focus on the flexibility and that, um, you know, what would you give them from advice from now? Cause you know, we're only a month, month and a half away from the tryouts. Yeah. So definitely that, pain thing with the concept that zero means zero is a good thing. Um, Mobility is a good thing. And then uh, trunk stabilization. So getting a lot of people don't use that roller in the, in the long fashion, the way they like to put it from the head to the butt Um, and, and work on top of that because it will help to bring in your obliques as well as your transverse abdominus. So it brings in multiple um, abdominal muscles, which is, good um and then the other thing to do is to flip and do um bird dog so which which means you literally look like a dog right so you're on your hands and knees and so you are lifting one arm on one side and the leg on the other side so you're getting a diagonal stability pattern across your back and if you if your back breaks um or if you rotate, um, then start on the ground, or you can lay on top of the roller and start yeah. doing it that way. Um, but but basically create stability through the trunk of your body by getting not your rectus abdominis, but transverse and obliques, and then the multifidi are the little muscles in the spine and the back. If you did those two pieces, to give yourself some stability, then when you're, you're, you're using your legs, you've got a stable platform that your legs are moving from. I mean that, so, and then that, and you usually can't hurt yourself (laughs) on the roller or the bird dog usually. So it would be safe that you wouldn't be doing something silly. Now, what would be silly would be to to take up something like the um, is it the TRX with the straps? Like if you yep. started that like right now, that would be silly. 
um, yeah. just way too far on the trunk stabilization continuum, you know, and don't uh, medicine balls. Like don't, this is not the time to be pushing your body with medicine balls. So you got to go at the basics, um, th that simple trunk stabilization work would get the job done for you. Yeah. And, and you, you, you sent us a text or an email a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, maybe about, I don't know what we were talking about. I think we had recorded another podcast. Some, we were talking about planks mm. and then you oh. sent us an email about pikes. So do you want to, you want to tell the, you want to talk to pikes, talk about pikes to the people. So I do listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I heard you guys talking about planks and the importance of planks. And I just wanted to clarify. Planks are a good trunk stabilization exercise. If you can plank, right? So a plank would mean that your body would look like a piece of wood that you would want on the deck of your house. Right? Nice and flat. If you someone's doing a plank and their body is in a position and you would not want that piece of wood on the deck of your house, then that's a pike. So most of the time when people do planks, they're using their hip flexors and their butts up in the air, and they're really not strengthening their, their core at all. What they're doing is tightening up their hip flexors, um, which is really bad. So if you can't do a, a plank correctly, then don't do it you know, then, then get on your back on top of the roller and do the knee to chest stuff um, or get into the bird dog position and do the um, multifidi, but, but don't plank. I mean, it's just, it's silly. It's silly. So make sure you. That was a funny email. I got to go back. We got to go back and find that one. Cause she had some funny stuff in that one. Kind of how that led into that. You could, you could almost, when you read it, you could almost see yeah. that the disdain yeah yeah there, yeah, yeah there was a there the was a tone the disappointment. I, I could hear her voice the when i read the email was, i could hear margie's voice in my uh, ear saying the words it was like yeah yeah, yeah. it was it was it was palpable like yeah. so hey marge how's this one for off snow like right now because this is part of mine you had me do quite a bit in even the lead up summer fall you know the one-footed balance stuff just standing on one foot for the 30 seconds a minute going to the other one doing so many reps of it yeah so even the single foot balance stuff you got to be careful of though because in order to do single foot balance you've got to have enough of flexibility in your hamstring calf and the bottom of your foot right so that you can actually stand on your foot you need to have some semblance of trunk stability because you need to be able to have your pelvis in neutral, right? So it's not tips forwards. So you don't have a super arch in your low back. Um, and then if you have the flexibility and that lower leg shank and you have the positioning of the trunk, then you can use all those muscles to balance over the foot. And then when you balance over the foot, you want to make sure you're over the center of the foot. So you just pull your toes up off the ground. And because a lot of times when people do single foot balance, they're literally just driving their toe flexors into the um, floor, the rug, yeah. wherever you are. And 
on the, well, it doesn't really matter any place, but it, if you're trying to work balance, having really strong toe flexors are not going to get it done. So whether you're an older person walking across the street um, or if you're on the hill, driving those toe flexors in to try to grab the balance is not going to get it done. You really ought to, I mean, I, for, you know, you guys probably think I'm weird anyways, but if I'm on secret train and I'm trying to figure out where I am and I'm not really where I want to be on my feet, I will flip my toes up in my boots and, and find my arch and get over the center of that arch, you know, pull myself back over. So I know I'm on top of my arch and I'm not using my toes to try to get the job done. Cause it means my body is not centered. So I can't balance. Balance is all about the body centered over the foot. It's not, it's not really, just an activity in of itself it's an outcome so there's there's a series of components that go into being on the balance on that foot yeah that's how i try to coach because everyone gets into that well i gotta work on balance so for me like even when they when i start out as for a for a demo per se or even just a ski run you you've watched me enough Every single time I start any run, I start in the fall line, unless there's some yeah. tactical reason or I'm scared that I go across the hill, which I try not to be. You know, I, I start in the fall line, even if it's for half a ski length. But when I start in that half ski length, I go into skier stance. I had to move yeah. to be where I want to stand, where I want to be flexed. And to me, it's like, that's not a static. That was, I moved to be there. And, and like you're saying, it's like, you have to move to be in balance. I don't think people think of that enough, my thing. <laughs> Yeah, it just it just gets back to doing a little bit of everything for your body. Because if you if you stayed mobile and you kept your core strong, you would wind up with some reasonable balance without doing a lot of other stuff. You know, yeah. it's like it's, it's funny what people tag up. On. Like they'll stand on one foot and then they look like a, they don't even, they're, they're an embarrassing flamingo, right? So like they don't even, they're not even standing on one foot upright, like a cute little flamingo. They're like, they look like a pretzel flamingo trying to stand on one foot. You know, it just, it's like, what's the point? <laughs> That's not single foot balance. Right. Well, that's what you see when someone takes off and they're doing a one-footed ski task. I know. You like, see the flamingo. <laughs> I'm like, that's not getting it done. <laughs> so, so here, I, I, I think I know you're going to say yes to this one, that when you and I go out in the morning and we're getting ready to go ski, everyone's standing there shooting the breeze, shooting the shit, and you and I are skating around. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we're skating around, we skate and I, and I turn it around and I do the thing. I, I want to skate backwards too. So I'll be skating around forward. I'll be skating around backwards yeah. and figure eights. Um, how important is that that or to have something like that to get going in the morning when you're going to go skiing? It's cold out. <laughs> you know, like why would you not warm your body up and try to get it? you know, skating's awesome because it requires so many, so much of an integration of the skills. And so why not warm up your body a little bit? Remind, especially for me, part of the reason why I skate is because I'm in the office Monday through Friday. So it's like, those are not movement patterns that I use 
during the week. And so I just want to kind of remind my body before, because of course we go up with you and we ski ptarmigans, right? It's not like we glide into this thing. So I just got out of my office chair. I, I've been driving up in my car Friday night. And if I'm lucky, I'm up by nine o'clock, you know, we're on the hill first thing in the morning and I've gone from, you know, level flat stuff. And then we're up in the chairlift and then we're going down time again. So, you know, I do, I do it for that reason, but it's, it, it's, it interests me what people do or don't do. And I, I picked that skating up from Tom Chassie because he would skate, you know, right off the bat. Um, but, you know, most of the time people are just sitting around shooting the shit. It's like, you can get a lot of work done when, yeah. When people sit around <laughs> shooting the shit, because the, on yeah. the backside of the day, and we've talked about this too, it'd be in the pro room. I could yeah. get a good chunk of my stretching in while everybody, I mean, get changed, ready to go. And then you're waiting for people. I could get a fair amount of stretching in before we go across the street to Maddie B's. You know, it's like, um, meanwhile, everyone else is just sitting around hanging out, you know, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fighting about uh, tunes on skis and, and who had the yeah. best fall day all that stuff but um hey we could talk forever so angelo i i saw you writing down do you have something here before we close up and like i just want to be clear on how much pain <laughs> two 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 is normal right <laughs> zero i don't know and, don't and know she loves the zero because she knows we're a bunch of zeros <laughs> i want a second opinion on that <laughs> oh god no it's well, been terrific thanks margie for guys it's fun chat yeah well, it's yeah. always fun to talk with you guys i mean and um we hope to have you back i know i i would imagine we'd get some questions um because a lot of people want to get in better shape and time is always a thing and and yeah. um, how they can maximize their time and that mm -hmm. so i imagine people will as they do and wherever we have sue on we talk about some some exercise stuff. They're always like, well, can you go more specific? Can you give me the exact five exercises that'll make me a level three? And um, I'm still searching. Well, you can find those five that exercises to get to level three. <laughs> yeah. Just, just five. I do these five minutes a day with this one, but um, I mean, we all search for those things, but um, yeah. thanks for being on. It's been, sure. you and I've talked a lot since I've started the podcast. We just haven't had the schedule and I'm yeah. psyched you came on and um we'll definitely want to have you back multiple times. So we'll see how things go and, and what we can chat about. Cause we can always come up with something. We chat forever about yeah. what's going on with skiing and that um, with your, your background and in both skiing and outside of skiing is tremendous. And, and I hope people maybe put some comments on the YouTube or, or send us some stuff if they have some thoughts or questions. Cause um, Margie definitely, she's not going to answer a thousand emails, but if there's a couple of real big questions we see, we'll definitely try to throw something out to answer those sure. um wealth and knowledge and i always say thanks because margie you're always there to help out me and so many other folks and um definitely help me to get where i'm at so thank you and um we'd also like to thank our friends of the podcast that make this all possible for us to keep doing this to make it easier for us with blizzard technica and also with uh next boot fitting um which uh angelo with his fatter foot now with the big toe from the um <laughs> from the uh the skateboard thing might have to have a little more nick doing something or somebody to, it's gonna have to mm. drive up the mount snow to get nick to work on my boot. 
<laughs> so I want to know if the foot's a little fat now and we grind it out and then the inflammation comes down with, with the stuff Margie's saying, and then uh, are we going to glue the, the material back in or? We'll, we'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> Duct tape. <laughs> whatever. Uh, Dr. But King, I'm doing. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. Doing Go ahead. No, ahead, Andrew. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I'm going to do it all pain free. That's my new <laughs> zero. Zero is the number. Zero. <laughs> so when she did it like this, she didn't mean three. She meant the zero. They well, were, that's why I had to put my fingers down. I like, I don't want anything to, uh, I don't want You're to be misconstrued. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, awesome. Angela, it's always fun, man, doing this with you. And uh, Dr. King, thank you so much. And hopefully I'll see you uh, maybe end of the week. Are you skiing up Friday? I am not. I'm actually going to a conference to learn more things this weekend. All right. I'll see you probably the week after that. I'm at Brett okay. Woods next week. But, right um, thanks, everybody. And uh, hope to um, hear your comments and thoughts. We're out. This is Chaos and Company, the fall line. <laughs>